0: Tonight, I do need to share something from the Word because the Lord dropped something in my heart. Uh, we, my wife and I were talking about it, and, and uh, sometimes it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes when we're talking about things of God and things of the Word, the Holy Ghost will quicken me. Just, it doesn't, he doesn't even really speak to me. He just quickens to me, and He says, you know, in my spirit, I just know. He doesn't necessarily say anything, but I just know there's a knowing, a very deep knowing that that's the next service you have to preach. And it could be a Sunday, it could be a Wednesday, it could be any day of the week for that matter, but I just know we were talking on Monday about this and uh, the Spirit of God quickened and said, that's the next service that you preach. So I know that he wants me to share this. It's a message that maybe some of you have heard before, but I'm asking you to, to open up your heart because there's some things that I think will help you and uh, will really, have really helped me over the years. You know, there's a reason, can I be honest with you? There's a reason why, and maybe you're the same way, Reverend Sandy. I don't think you are, Reverend Taylor. You'll know what I'm saying when I say what, what I'm saying. But there's a reason why I think I'm the only person, there might be one, but I don't even know. There might be one. I think there's one in Hamilton. But there's a reason why I'm the only person in the entire 40 people that graduated my Bible school class that's serving God today. Huh. Wow. And is in the ministry. And let, me, let me rephrase. is in the ministry. Some of them are serving God, but they're not in the ministry. And many of them had a call many of them had a call there's a reason why out of my high school which was the christian high school yeah right what a joke but out of my christian high school they were all devils in there most of them religious and just carnal you remember mom they weren't they weren't they weren't they didn't love god they're watching pornography in, in, in the change room so the teacher can't find it and it's just a joke religion's a joke either there's a heart change or you're just like the world and that's you might you can call yourself whatever you want but you're not a christian there's a reason reverend sandy why uh i I don't know i don't keep in touch with all of them but from the things i've heard over the years it's been a long time (laughs) when was that from 1994 93 94 to now which is when 2000 26 years you lose track after people You know, they all want a 10-year anniversary. By 15 years, they don't even really want to see you anymore. 20 years, you're long gone. 26 years, it's over. They probably have, some of them might be dead by now. I don't know. But no, I'm just saying things happen. People die young. People move away. But the little bits of snippets that I've had from people over the years, uh, not one of them is serving God. I don't even know if they're Christians. And I can guarantee you none of them are in the ministry. There's a reason why. And it's not because I'm lucky. Yeah. Because that's what the world would say. You're lucky. And it's not just because, well, I'm blessed. Praise God. It's not, it's not that, that's not the reason. There's a reason why I'm telling you, there's a reason why. Now you, your Bible school, Pastor Nancy's Bible school is a bit of a different caliber than maybe where I went to where Reverend Sandy went to where others went. So I think a lot of people are, Probably serving God from probably the majority of your class are. I don't know if any are in the ministry, maybe some are. But I'm saying there's a reason why, if you think back to your past, and you know, you, you know what made me think about this is that they asked me this one here, she's the blame, to blame. This Toria right here, Vi- <laughs> Queen Victoria, asked me to get some childhood pictures. Apparently, they went on something in this new thing we're, we're, we're revealing on Sunday, has some pictures of me. And I was a very. Uh, wonderful young man, and you might see some of those pictures and say, is that Pastor Craig? My God! My God! Look at him! Look at him! He's half the man he is today. Praise God. But, but Jenny, I'm looking through those pictures and my God, it's amazing because I just had a whole box of pictures. That's all it is, is pictures, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures. And I never look at pictures. I'm not a very nostalgic person typically, but I was doing this for Queen Victoria. She wanted some pictures. And so I was going through the pictures and I'm like, oh, my Lord, I forgot about that. Oh my God, I forgot about that trip that I took. I mean, I forgot about some trips I've taken internationally. It's been so long ago. Oh, look at that person. Oh my God, I remember that person. Oh, look at them. They're so cute. Look at them. Where they're so ugly or they were so deviant or whatever the case may be. And I'm looking and it's got my prom date from grade 11, my prom date from grade 12. It's got Bible school pictures. It's got mission trip pictures. I'm, and it's amazing. All these memories are just flooding back and you forget how much you've done in your life, even if you haven't lived very long, there's so much, there's so many people that cross your path over a lifetime. And I I thought to myself, I wonder how many of them are really in love with Jesus still. And I wonder if those that were missionary, that that were ministry acquaintances, I wonder how many of them are really serving God. Maybe I hope there's a lot of them, but I'm just saying statistically, it doesn't usually, doesn't usually wind up that way. And so I start, I was thinking about that. That was kind of on on, on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, on Monday morning, Jenny and I were driving somewhere for the day. And and we started, I was just thinking about, you know, what is it, Lord? What is it that, why, why, what was it about me that seemed to beat the odds where so many else didn't make it? Because that's not that I'm lucky. We don't believe in that in the body of Christ. And the Holy Ghost said something to me. And then my wife started talking about it independently of me. And then the Lord said, you you talk about this the next service, which happened to be tonight. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my heart, and he said, there's only one reason, son, why you have beat the statistics and beat the odds. And it's not your genetics. And it's not just the way you were raised, although thank God for the way we were raised. He said, there's one reason why you are still here and why many others are not. You guarded your heart. He said that to me. And so my wife and I started talking about the heart. And what does the heart really mean? And how do you guard your heart? What does that look like when you guard your heart? Because you can have a whole lot. Listen, if you're in the church for a year or two, that's a very small sliver for the rest of your life. If you're in the church for 10 or 20 years, that's still a relatively, you know, smallish sliver. For, the, for, the, for your entire 60, 70, 80 years. I mean, maybe it's 25%, a quarter of your life. That's still a big chunk. You know what I'm saying? But there's so much that happens in life. There's so many people you meet. There's so much you encounter when you're in life. And, and, a, and a, why is it that most people don't seem to make it by God's standard? Do you know what I'm saying? Why is it that you hear a story, Taylor, and I hear this more often than I'd like to admit, that this minister that I knew and that I trusted and that I thought was great, but now he's, he's sinned, he's out of the ministry, he's gone away with the woman, or he stole money, or he got into pride, or he got into this. And you just look and you go, oh my God, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to know that another person did that. Now, I know there are many that succeed, obviously. But why, what is it? It really comes down to guarding your heart. And so I just wanted to share a couple things with you. Would you turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 9? Would that be okay? 1 Kings chapter 9. I know we always like to talk about, you know, the anointing and arms growing out and people walking on water and and that's great. There's time for for all that and we're going to have signs and wonders. But the flow for that, the flow about that was a couple weeks ago. It's not for tonight. We got to have a well balance because you can't live off The promise that one day you're going to see tremendous power and that it could be tonight, but it's certainly going to come in the future You can't live off that That doesn't that that encourages you and and uh, gives you hope for the future But that doesn't you can't live off that you can't feed off that What so we have to as a pastor talk to you about your daily living Because your daily living is where you either make it or you don't make it It's not some big event usually It's your daily living, it's daily decisions. It's what you decide to do every day. It sounds very monotonous and it sounds very boring, but it's the way life works. Sometimes younger people don't realize that. They're waiting for some big moment so that's why these, these youth camps and these, these big like Acquire the Fire, and I love Acquire the Fire, I'm not saying anything, but these big conferences for young people, it's such an emotionally hyped experience, and they're like crying, and ah, yeah, and they're just like, it just, they're overwhelmed, their senses are overwhelmed, but that's all it is, the senses, yeah. Yeah. and sometimes it is, it gets down in their heart, praise God, but you just give them six months, and many times they need another conference, because they're back sitting again, why, because they had the, emo- and a lot of it is real, it is getting through to them, it is, touching their hearts i've worked in those conferences i know it's they're not faking it and it's not all just emotional it is a true heart change but because they don't make a daily decision before they know it they've got off the true compass north and six months later they're they're already back with the same old nonsense friend doing the same old nonsense things and now they need another repentance another encounter with god you don't listen to me you don't really need i know all these churches talking about these encounters Listen, there's nothing wrong with going away somewhere and having a real experience with God. Praise God. But you should be, you don't really need an encounter if every day there's the presence. Now you can go away and have a greater presence and a greater encounter and praise God for that. I go to conferences and there's a greater sense of the presence of God and, I, and I'm receiving that, praise God. But I can't live off that conference and then not do the same things, the right things every day. I've got to have the presence every day, then I don't really need the same kind of an encounter. Yes, I'm not so against encounter weekends, okay, and all that stuff. In fact, we, we, we might be fixing to have one ourselves, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, I need some rich people in this church. On, if you're poor, I love you, but you need to get rich, okay? <laughs> Because the vision is growing and I can hardly keep up with it. And I haven't even told you some of the things God's been telling me to do. I haven't even told the staff because I'm afraid they might try to stone me. But, but I haven't, I I, I haven't even told some of the closest people, not even the board of directors know some things God's been talking to me and and I need a couple more hundred thousand dollars. So if anybody, anybody, uh, praise God. I, I need a little bit of extra help. Some of you funders better start funding and stop talking about it, but you better start doing it because I, I need, the vision is moving and I'm trying to keep, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to stay on that train. Anyway, I'm not going to say anything. I know you told me not to say anything, Jennifer, so I'm not going to say anything, but I almost, you see it almost started to slip out there. Say it, praise God. Now Taylor, stop, stop looking at me like that, brother. You know, you were holding the stone today when I said, I've got something that's going to change your life. You picked up that pebble. I saw you do it. First Kings chapter 9, I'm trying to say this, is that, the, is that uh, we, need, we don't need necessarily as much single encounters, although they're great if you, if you mix them with daily living. But what you really need is daily living. Yeah. Life is not that complicated. You just got to make a daily decision. The minister that went and fell into sin and Pastor Nancy saw it on the television years ago and there's many, so many ministers that have had that. It's hard to narrow. uh, I'm going to say who the minister was. You don't, but you can just, there's so many that have fallen into sin. So just pick one. All right. But, but she's sitting there watching the TV at the disgrace and the shame that he's brought on his wife and his family and his ministry and how the, the fact that his ministry is more or less over. You know, and, 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 you know, she said, Lord, that temptation must have just, just been so strong on him, just really got the better of him. You know, and the pastor was putting the focus on the fact that the attack of the enemy and the temptation was the thing that was the overwhelming force. And to some measure, of course it is. Yes, it is. But the Lord didn't put the focus on that. He didn't put the focus, the spotlight on the devil or on the temptation. You know what he put the spotlight on? The man. And he said to her, And you've heard her say this, but he said to her, it wasn't that. It was the fact that he stopped starting his day with me and he stopped keeping his face turned toward me all day long. It wasn't the sin that overcame him. It was the fact, basically the gist of what God was telling her, the daily routine changed. It's not some big demon most of the time. It's, it's they'll come you'll open the door but 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 you have a lot of power over them if you can just maintain your daily routine spiritual habits spiritual habits are very important time with god even though it may not feel exciting is very important time with the praying in the holy ghost even though you may not feel the anointing is very important are you listening I, I know this may not be a clap, clap sermon, but it's, it's what the Lord said for me to teach you. And I'm telling you, it, it, it's got teeth. Whether you, whether you believe it or not, it's got teeth to it. Because what if that man had started every day, the Lord said to Pastor Nancy, start, your, start every day with me and keep your face turned toward me all day long. That doesn't mean you have to pray in tongues all day long. That doesn't mean you have to be meditating on the Bible all day long. But it also doesn't mean that you'll never pray in tongues. It it's a double negative. It doesn't mean you're constantly spiritual, all the time praying, all the time meditating, but it also doesn't mean that you go throughout your day and you never think about God once. So you've got to find a balance. It doesn't mean that you have to read all the, all day long. You can't, you've got a job to do. You'll get fired. You can't be praying in tongues all day long either. He didn't say you have to be in my immediate presence all day long. Otherwise none of us could have a job. But what he did say is keep your face turned, turned, keep your face turned toward me. That means like Pastor Nancy said recently, she was talking to some ministers and I was in the group uh, even during COVID. And she was telling us, she said, you know, it's not about, it's not even necessarily about just praying in tongues all the time. It's about living in the spirit And she was praying in tongues at a season in her life for like a number of hours every day and the Lord started dealing with her and correcting her and said, see, because we can get so legalistic even with tongues that now if we don't hit a certain time frame we're not getting what we need to get done. And there's a measure of truth to that but there's also a measure of legalism to that. And remember, Jenny, God got over to her and said, you've made this whole, no, it wasn't her. It was another minister. That's right. It was another lady that she, that was, that she heard speak. And that lady was saying how she really delved into X number of hours a day, really intense. And there are seasons for that. But she was trying to do that. and, 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 she was trying to, she heart was right. She was trying to get something from God, but God dealt with her and said, you've made this simply about X number of hours in tongues. And it's not what it should be about it should be about living in the Spirit. Tongues is part of living in the Spirit, but it's not the only part. And God gave this minister that Pastor Nancy is referring to an example of another lady. She lived way out in the country, way up north in the northern United States, in a very rural area, not a, not a city area. She had a lot of kids. I don't, even, I, don't, I don't know if her husband was even serving God, but she, she, was, the, she was the spiritual dynamo in her family. And she, she was, didn't have a high-powered job. She didn't have a job. Her job was to raise the children while he worked. And she had a lot of responsibilities with all those kids and everything and, and being out almost like on a ranch type of thing. But, but what she would do is uh, God was so pleased and God had talked to this other minister about that lady as an example of what it means to stay in the spirit throughout the day. Because while she's doing her laundry and putting the things on the laundry, she's singing in the spirit. And then when she comes in and she deals with the kids and whatever, and then as she's making dinner, she's, she's speaking out the word. And then later on, she's doing something else and she's praying in the Holy Ghost while she's doing it. She doesn't have the time to separate five hours, but she can keep her face turned toward God throughout her day, no matter what she does. Do you understand? Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't pray some hours in tongues. They're not saying that. But some people make it so legalistic that all it is is about tongues, 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 tongues. But then when they stop that, they don't even think about God. They're so carnal. Their mind is so focused on everything that they're doing and their face is not turned. God would rather you pray less in tongues, but keep a turned face. He'd rather you continually be aware of him and and wanting to be close to him and being sensitive to him and not wanting to hurt him even if you're not deeply engaged in spiritual activity soul spiritual activity you might have other things to do but you are aware of him you are attuned that he is there you are worshiping him and speaking to him and loving him throughout your day that is keeping walking in the spirit that is keeping your face turned toward God if that minister had started his day and kept his face turned toward God, God all day long, the Lord said to Pastor Nancy, he would have never have fallen into that temptation. Why? Because when the temptation came, there was a reservoir of strength because he is, he's focused on God. Right. His eyes are looking to the Lord. He might not be praying six hours a day in tongues. He's doing his life, but he is constantly aware of God. He's thinking of God. It's like, it's like, this is the difference. Most people are doing this and God's over there. And if they're going to think about God, they have to do this. Yeah. But what God does, he doesn't want that. He, God, wants, He's right here. He wants you to do your day but it's just a glance just a glance you're right there lord you know what i'm saying that's the attitude you don't have to stop everything and completely revolutionize your day and your life and put everything on hold with this big spiritual moment where now you're going to be with god for 20 minutes yeah. now you should do that at some point in your day especially the morning time but as you're going throughout your day you don't have to get so engrossed and forget him You can be working and walking and doing life, but he's right there. And you just can glance, I love you, Holy Ghost. And then you pray, but it's such a flow. It's such a flow. It's not legalism. It's not about getting 21 verses in or reading the 17 chapters. If you want to do that, do that. But it's about a flow. It's about keeping your heart soft toward him all the time. This is the key to staying out of sin. It's the key to spiritual victory. It doesn't sound very dramatic, does it? you're waiting for the, some big experience. Remember Naaman wanted the big waving of the hand and it was a simple dipping in the dirty Jordan that got him his miracle. It's not always this big thing. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't spend time with God for some time alone with him. I'm not saying that of course you do that, but I'm saying so many people say they do that and the rest of the day that God doesn't even enter into their consciousness. They gave him their 20 minutes and now they've done their rosary bead. It's like a religious action. I prayed, Lord. I read three verses. You should be happy. Click, click, click. And they put their rosary bead away and they go and they live their life and they don't even think about God for 13, 14 hours. That's not great. He should be so real to you. He should should be, you should be so in love with him that just you glance at him every now and then and just look at him like he was the lover of your soul. I love you. I love you. I'll get spend more time with you later, but I just want you to know I love you, Master. And you just sing to yourself and speak to yourself in psalms, hymns, and just have the Word working in you all day long. Keeping a heart turned toward Him all day will keep you spiritual. It'll keep you spiritually minded, and when your mind is spiritual, your actions will be spiritual. Remember, if you have a spiritually minded person, there's life and peace. But if you sow to the flesh, you're going to have corruption and death. So so pastor nancy it really teaches this a lot to ministers yes spend time with god it's very important that you do that that big chunk but it's more than just the chunk it is keeping a softened heart and your eye on him he's right there and being aware that he's right there and yielding to him and loving him and speaking to him you understand what i'm saying because some of you i don't know if you really love jesus that much do you really love jesus No, I don't mean a religious amen. This is rhetorical. You don't need to respond to it. But do you really love Jesus? Or is he just some foreign, you know, he's your savior, but you never think about him. I really love Jesus. Like I truly love him. When I open up my eyes in the morning, he's the first one I think about. And sometimes I think I'm a strange, I'm a weirdo, Jenny, because I don't know if a lot of Christians feel that way. But I truly love Jesus. He is my everything. And I don't just mean that religiously. I love my wife, she's my everything with skin and flesh on, but I love Jesus more Jesus fills a part in me that no human being can fill, that no job can fill, that no money can fill, that no sexual experience can fill, that no vacation can fill, that no extracurricular activity can fill. People are searching for this stuff to, they're looking for these things to fill this void. And even Christians are looking for things like that to fill a void. And they don't realize it's getting to know and love and be intimate. Uh, He's just a look look away. I don't have to turn around and he's somewhere out there and I have to find him in the clouds. When I live my life, Jesus as a look away. I got to focus on what I'm doing, but all I do is look and he's right there. Uh, you know what I mean re- re- symbolically. I don't mean he's standing there watching me and I can see him. I mean he, in my heart, it's like he's right there. Yes. I just, I just keep my heart, I just keep my heart turned toward him. And I just, I just love him. I, I really do. I really love him. I've always loved him from the time I was a little boy and it's never left me. And I've often wondered, Lord, why did I beat the odds and so many others didn't? Maybe you've wondered the same thing if you've beaten the odds and many of you have. It's because you guarded your heart. When you guard your heart, you keep your heart soft toward him. You truly love him. If you truly love him and you keep your heart soft and you keep watching him and looking to him and wanting to please him. And when he says you did that wrong, son, I wasn't. You immediately, you love him so much. Repentance is easy if you truly love him. That's true. Humility is a second, is an outflow if you love him. If you have a problem, well, I don't want to admit it. You got that pride issue. You don't really love him the way you need to love him. Because if you truly loved him and you you truly didn't want to wound him, if he showed you, you did something, wrong, your love for him would instantly say, I'm so sorry, Lord. I, I have no pride left in me. I don't want. I don't. I don't want you. I don't want to, you to know me afar off. I want you to draw me close. I didn't. I missed it there. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. I don't want anything between us. I truly love you, Lord. A lot of Christians I don't think really understand that. That's why they're so proud and arrogant. And when Jesus asks them to repent about something they've done in their marriage, men especially are the worst at this. They mistreat their wives. They come in for counseling and I'm telling them simple basics and they look at me like I've got four heads and how dare you, I'll treat her wherever I want. And they've just got this rebellious anger, pride, arrogance, macho. They, 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 don't, they don't understand anything about Jesus. And they don't want to say anything about the word, even though they may be born again, going to heaven. That's about all they've got. Because if you know Jesus and he, he shows you, whether through a preacher or through the word or through your own heart, that you're off on something, the first thing you want to do is, Lord, I'm so sorry. Because you love him. You don't want to hurt him. Some of you are very quiet. I don't know if you're in a, maybe disagreement. Maybe you want me to buck and shout and do a dance for you but this is what he asked me to share with you. Yeah, yeah. Guarding your heart is one of the biggest things you can ever do in life. If you were to say to me, what is the greatest asset you have? It's, sir, I would never say it's, it's the way I look. I would never say it's my charisma in speaking. I would never say it's my, you know, I am a, d- a very detailed person. You can ask the staff. I drive them nuts a little bit sometimes. I, 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 I am a good administrator. Some pastors couldn't administrate if their life depended on it. I can administrate yeah. And you need to have that if you're going to be an apostolic call, because otherwise you'll never make it. If you're disorganized, you'll never make it. But my my success is not based on my ability to organize, delegate, administrate. It's not a charismatic preaching or anything like that. In fact, my success is not even based on the anointing. I know that sounds strange to say, because without the anointing, you can't do anything in the pulpit. But most of my life is not in the pulpit. You look at how many hours I have, 168 hours in a week. How many hours am I in the pulpit? Four, five? I've got 164, 163 hours of life that doesn't have the corporate anointing on it to preach. So that is not my success. If I ever could even say I have any success, it's certainly not that. That is what I need for the moment when I'm ministering. But my life is a lot longer than ministering. I go to bed just like you. I have to wake up just like you. I've got, a, I've got a dog that you have to deal with just like you. Maybe you don't, but I do. I've got a dog good enough for all of you. I deal with all of your dogs and that one dog. I've got kids just like you. If you don't have kids, don't, you know, I'll leave it up to you if you want to have them or not. But <laughs> they're a lot of work. They're a lot of work. But they're a great blessing, but they're a lot of work. I, I mean, I've got, I've got pressures, and I've got devils that attack me, and I've got people that don't like me, and I've got, I've got family situations. I'm just like you, and 163 hours a week, I'm dealing with just what you're dealing with. And my success is certainly not just because of the anointing. What is it? It's because I guard my heart in those 168 hours, and I stay soft and close to the one I love. This is the key to life. That's why Jesus said you've done a lot of things, but I have one thing against you. You've lost your first love. You've lost that deep love for Jesus, that love you had when you first got saved where he was everything to you. And it's easy to let life get, away, get that away from us, but you've got to fight tooth, nail, and claw to get it back. You've got to fight to get it back. And you don't get it back by staying away from where Jesus likes you to hang out, which is the prayer closet and the local church. You don't get it by ignoring God's house and you don't get it by ignoring your time with him at home. That's how you get it back if you don't have it. If you say, I don't feel what you're feeling. I just, I'm, I'm just being honest with you, Pastor. I don't love him the way you love him. I feel bad about it, but it's just the facts. You, there's hope for you. You can get that deep love, but it takes time. You've got to wait with him. You've got to talk to him. Do you ever just turn on some music and lift your hands? Don't do it when you're driving, but have you ever done it where you just lift your hands and you just sing? I don't have a good voice. He don't care. He loves the sound of your voice. Nobody else does, but he loves the sound of your voice. Have you ever done that? And you just have, I'm asking you, have you ever done it? Have you ever done it? I had that little, that little teal colored sunfire, Pontiac sunfire. I was, before I met Jenny and I was, well actually I had it when I was with you, but it was very early in our relationship and I was still a youth pastor pastor assistant there at Evangel. And I showed up one day early uh, for the Friday night youth group. I just—I just was early. I don't know why. I don't remember. But I remember I parked in that little alley. I don't know Jenny if you remember. There was like a little alleyway. You know the front door of the church was there, but there was like a little driveway that ran cross threads with it, and it went all the way to the end. And I pulled up by the youth door because that's where you went in for the youth group. And I was way at the end. Nobody was around. Nobody's there. It's, 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 it's. it's, I was there by myself. And I turned on that, that 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 music tape. I don't know what it was, and I just started to worship Jesus. I absolutely love worshiping Him. See, if you don't love it, you, Taylor is always trying to get you, lift your hands. Come on. Come on. Come on, guy. If you love you don't ever have to tell me to lift my hands. You don't ever have to tell me to engage. I can't wait to come That's to right. church and worship God. And this is not a religious thing. I actually love worshiping because I love Him. And I sat in that little sunfire, I remember, and I turned on the music, and I, I knew nobody was around, and I just got lost. The presence of God came in that car. I just got lost and lost, and I was singing. And sometimes when the presence of God comes real strong, you'll find that you start to cry. But it's not because you're a wimp, men, it's not because you're a loser. It's because his presence just does something to you and it softens your heart. And it just and usually what he does is if there's anything you need to repent of, he'll tell you that right at the front. And you just you don't have to get into a weird way, but you just you just quickly, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I make it right with you. And then this presence just comes and washes over you and washes over you. And the tears are flowing and the presence of God was strong in that car. I'm telling you, I had, I was like 45 minutes. I was just where, and I got, I lost track of time. I lost track of everything. And then I kind of came out of it and nobody touched the window or nothing. I kind of just, after a while I came out of it and, 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 and I, and I glanced, I saw somebody in my peripheral and that kind of scared me because I thought I was alone. And I don't want people, it's like a personal thing. You don't want somebody watching you. That's weird it's like a sex like stalker or something like a like a i don't know what do you call those people that look into windows peeping tom it's like a peeping tom it's not, it's not appropriate i'm having an intimate time with god and i and i kind of and i glanced a little bit it shocked me i kind of and it was pastor anthony's son aj he was about eight or nine years old and he was looking at me staring at me intently and i wrote and i and i I, I, all my other cars had a roll window, but this was the first one I had that had a button. I was very proud of that button. Now every car has it, but it came back then. You do not. Everybody had that button. If you had that button, you were, you were rich, man. So I remember I, I, I pushed the button and it went down and I, my face is wet with tears. And he said, Craig, what are you doing? And I said, I'm worshiping Jesus. I love him so much. I said, do you feel that presence, AJ? And he started to cry and he said, yes, I've, it was coming out of the car. He said, yes, I feel it. He says, a Mm nine-year-old. Pastor Anthony walked in. He told me later, he said, he told me later, like a week or so later, he said, Craig, you have no idea. He started crying. He said, you have no idea what what that meant to my son. Mm -hmm. He said, he's been talking about it at home, that he saw one of my leaders who he looks up to, who he thinks is cool and everything. You know, I mean, young people think everyone, even if you're a loser, that young people think you're cool. (laughs) All right. Because you're older than them and you have a car with windows that go up and down. They automatically think you're cool. And he said, you know, he looks up to you and he likes you. And I said, yeah, I know he's my little brother. He said, but, but the, the one that he looks up to, that he, he's looking for somebody to be cool and, you know, it's aspired to, you know what I mean? Somebody's got their own car. And, and he said, and he saw you living it. And he said, he's been talking about it at home and he could feel that presence coming out of your window. And he said, it has, it has impacted, it has imprinted on him. I'm telling you. I didn't do that to imprint upon A.J. I'm doing that because I, I truly love Jesus. I truly do. You need to ask yourself, how much do you really love him? Because if you really love him, if you truly, honestly love him, not just that he saved you and that you're going to heaven, but you actually love him, you will automatically humble yourself when you have to correct, be corrected by somebody or by God. You will automatically want, look forward to those times where you can say, Jesus, I'm just going to spend some time with you now. I love you so much. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you all, maybe you're all doing that, or maybe you're not, you're not doing that. I don't know because you're all very quiet and looking at me. With some, some of you strangely are looking at me, so I don't know what. The, I don't know how to interpret that. So I'll just not look at you. Now, First Kings, First Kings, Chapter Nine. First Kings came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do. First Kings 9 2. The Lord appeared to Solomon. Oh, hold on. No, no, no. The wrong wrong verse. You you, you tend me to the wrong place. Second Chronicles chapter 1. (laughs) Second Chronicles chapter 1. Okay, you ready? (sighs) Come on. 2 Chronicles 1. And and Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. 2 Chronicles 1, 2. And then Solomon spoke unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon. Remember that. For there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, a servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought up from uh, Kajatharim to the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Remember, he wanted to build the te- temple, and God told him, no, your, your hands have got blood on them. We'll let your son do it. Moreover, the brazen altar, okay, keep going now. And Solomon went, uh, and Saul, verse 6, and Solomon went thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. Yeah. <laughs> You, you, you know, people like to talk about money. Uh, you, everything's about money. But if you study God's word, God often showed up when people showed their heart toward Him in generosity. Right. Yeah. You're not earning, you're not buying God, but when He gave, that was a big offering. That would be equivalent to a big money offering for you. You say, Your heart is where your treasure is. He was showing God, I honor you, I love you, and He did that with His wealth. Just remember that is connected to this whole thing, but we can't take it to the place where it becomes inappropriate about money, but you see it all the way through the Bible that God was expecting people's heart to be connected through their giving to him. So we see he gives a very big offering, now watch that. In that night, verse seven, did God appear to Solomon and said unto him, ask what I shall give thee. Think about that. I mean, you hear these silly stories about the genie and the lamp and everything, and you know, you got three wishes, but, but this has actually happened. And it wasn't a dream. A lot of people say he appeared to him. It didn't say that. It said God appeared to him at night. That means God himself stood there, Hortense, and Solomon saw him. And God said to him, what do you want? Anything you want, I'll give you. Think about what that means. I don't know if that's ever happened with anybody else in history. Not in this way. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and has made me to reign in his place. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge, that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said, See, his focus wasn't on me, his focus was on God's people. I want to help God's people. They're so great and I'm so small. Help me. Uh, what's, the, what's the president that got shot there? Kennedy. Kennedy had on his desk a little, a little thing. I, I've seen the plaque. I'm trying to get somebody to make one for me, but there was a plaque that he had on his desk. Uh, and it's the truth, it's the truth. And that plaque is, is a brazen, like with, a, with an engraving in brass. And it said, oh God, thy ocean is so great and my boat is so small. And he read that every day because he wanted to remind himself, I am very small compared to the task at hand. What did Solomon say? I'm very small. Your people are very great. I need your help. Do you understand? There's a humility there that Solomon had. And now watch this. He says, uh, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out, judge the people. And God said, verse 11 to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for riches, wealth, or honor. Not that those are wrong, but you didn't ask for them first, nor the life of your enemies. Neither have you asked for long life. So you didn't ask for long life or health. You didn't ask for victory and you didn't ask for wealth and honor. But you've asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I made thee king wisdom and knowledge is therefore granted unto thee and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have that have been before thee neither shall there be any after thee that have the like and Solomon came from his journey that was at could be into Jerusalem what did God say he said you asked the right thing in other words your heart's right you're not selfish you're thinking about how to do you the best job you can for me and for my people now, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for I'm going to give you the wisdom, but I'm also going to give you the money. You know, he was the richest man that's ever lived. I'm going to give you the money. I'm going to give you victory over your enemies, and I'm going to give you long life. Now, go with me to where I told you to go with first. That's the first time God appeared to him at a place called Gibeon. Now, the second time, did you know that God appeared to Solomon two times? The second time is in 1 Kings chapter 9. The second time is in 1 Kings chapter 9. The first time was in 2 Chronicles 1. The second time is in 1 Kings chapter 9. Now, read this with me. I want you to see something. Verse two, and the Lord, let's read verse one. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. We just read the Gibeon account. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Now, watch this. And if thou walk before me as David thy father walked, in integrity of heart, keep your heart, keep your heart, and in uprightness to do according to all that I've commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and my judgments. In other words, guard your heart walk uprightly according to my word, don't violate my word, that I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying they shall never fail a man upon the throne of Israel. Now watch this now, this is conditional. But if you turn, but if you shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them. And this house, which I have hallowed for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among the people. And at this house which is high, everyone that passes by will be astonished and shall hiss, and they shall say, Why has the Lord done this unto this land and unto this house? And in other words, it goes, and they shall answer because they forsook the Lord, their God, they brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have taken hold upon other gods and have worshiped them and served them. Therefore has the Lord brought them, uh, brought upon them all this evil. And you say, what well, God is saying here, this is a very simple thing. He's saying, now listen, I want you to understand the context of this. God appears to Solomon is so pleased with him. Says, you've got the right heart. You've asked the right request. I'm going to give you what you asked plus what you didn't ask. Now some time passes. He's dedicated the temple. He's wealthy. Sheba, remember Sheba comes and it takes her breath away when she sees the temple and how the people are in the temple. I mean, this wealth and the glory of God comes and the priest can't stand forth to minister. And all of this has already happened by this time, this second, the second thing is written. And you see, his heart was right. He asked for wisdom. He got it. He, He didn't ask for wealth, but he got it. He didn't ask for long life, but he's getting it. He didn't ask for victory, but he's getting it. And God's pleased and he's pleased. And this is great. Now God comes to him a second time after the temple has been dedicated after the glory has come after the priests were slain And God says to him. Listen, I just and listen God is appearing to him brother. He's appearing to him This is not just like a little inner voice. Not that i'm listening that this is a major experience with God talk about an encounter God is revealed showed up in person open vision And he's telling him I want you to know something if you do what I tell you to do, there's going to be your, you're going to set your life forever. Yeah. Yeah. And all your sons and all your grandsons, and there'll never be a failure on this throne. Yeah. But if you don't listen to me, and if you go after other gods, yeah. Yeah. notice that he already had the wisdom. Mm. Sure did. Yeah. Yeah. He already asked God for wisdom, and God gave him greater wisdom than any human being that's ever lived or will ever live. Right. So why would God have to come back to him a second time and tell him the man filled with wisdom. Why would God have to tell the wisest man that's ever lived? You better make sure you listen to my word. Yeah. Because if you get away and go after false gods, I'm going to, uh, you're going to have trouble. Your children are going to have trouble. And I'm, and this temple, I'm going to remove this glorious thing you built. I'm going to remove it from my myself. And that happened in AD 70. Yeah. I'm going to have to remove this. What happened with the Babylonians? And then it was rebuilt. And then happened again in AD 70 by the Romans. But I'm going to, you, you better pay attention. What, I, what, what God showed me is why would God have to tell the wisest man in the earth? He had already the wisdom. He shouldn't need to be told. But God showed up in person like before and said, you, you are wise, but I'm warning you. You better follow my word. And if you don't, there's going to be big trouble and your pitfall is going to be serving other gods. Why would the wisest man need such counsel if he's so wise? Have you ever thought about that? God didn't tell him that before he granted him wisdom. He granted that after he granted him wisdom. He should have automatically known this. But God decided the wisest man in the world needed a second visitation. That's right. Are you listening to how important that is? How much more do you need it? You need people to remind you, you better stay with the word. You better do what God says. Your life will be good. You get away from what God says and get away from his blessing on you. Your life's going to be hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. Even if you're a Christian going to heaven, you can get away from his word and your life be hard, just like the sinner, even though you're going to heaven. Are you, are you following me? Why did God have to tell the wisest man to be careful? So my wife and I were talking about this in the car and God said something to her that with her permission, I'd like to repeat. And the Lord said, Jenny, you might help me with the wording because he said it very particular to you. But if I, if I remember what you said correctly, this is what the Lord said to you. All the wisdom in the world cannot take the place, take the place of guarding your heart. All the wisdom in the world does not take the place all the education in the world all the understanding in the world you could be the greatest physics teacher in the world it doesn't take the place of guarding your heart now do you know what happened to brother Solomon brother Solomon saw God twice you haven't most of you brother Solomon had wisdom beyond any man and yet the second time God's warning him even though he shouldn't need it but God's still warning him so obviously being wise does not mean that you don't need a warning to wow. so take the warning because Solomon needed it. Yes. Now I want you to notice something. Solomon is the wisest man and he's had a visitation twice. The second one is don't serve other gods. Do you know what Solomon did? I won't take all the time to read you all, but you can study it in the Bible yourself. Do you know that Solomon, because he married a thousand wives, and I mean, you don't need more than one to beat you up to begin with? I, honestly. I don't understand this Old Testament stuff, like what's wrong with these people, they're like animals or something, they got to mate every three seconds. But I don't understand, all of them had all these wives, it was never God's intention. God's highest flow was one mate, because the highest flow was revealed in the new covenant, where God lives in us. When God lives in you, he wants a loyalty and a faithfulness sexually to one person. That's God's highest flow. All the men, usually it's not the woman, all the men wish they live in the Old Testament because they want 17 wives. No, I'm just saying men, you know, men in general, they, 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 their, their minds work differently to women. And they just, they just, you know, they like all that variety. But that's not God's best. And some people today in these other countries, they have 17 wives, but that's not God's best. And some cult leaders in Utah have 25 wives, and that's not God's best. In the New Testament, God's best is one, because that's the way God, that's the way God made it but when i'm telling you something I he got all these wives and what exactly he shouldn't have done queen victoria he did he started marrying wives of other races and other uh nothing there's nothing wrong with marrying interracial that's not what i'm saying but he married wives of other tribes that worship demon gods that's the problem not the color of their skin that's the problem that they didn't serve jehovah and he married hundreds of them. And if you study the Bible, it said that he loved certain, not all of them. You can't love a thousand women. But he loved certain of them. His heart clave yeah. unto certain of them. Now listen, that means he had favorites among that group. And they would see him more often than the rest. Some of them probably never saw him for years. What kind of his life sentence is that? No, let's not get off on that. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> Those poor ladies, the, their lives are ruined. The, the king never calls them. They, 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 there's no, it's just, what kind of a life is that? They're just sitting there on call for their, for their whole life. But he loved certain wives more than others, and the Bible says that he would call them unto himself. Now, listen, are you listening to me? Now, these women, who, who, who probably loved him too, and probably loved his money as well, but he's the wisest man, the richest man that's ever lived. God's appeared to him twice. God told him, be careful. He is the wisdom. He should not have needed that, but God still knew that he needed it. And not only is he wise and not only does God warn him face to face, but he still doesn't listen. And he starts, you read it in your Bible, Solomon started going into the temple, not just letting them do it, he would go with them to temples of foreign deities and make sacrifices himself unto demons. Yeah. False gods are demonic spirits that are manifesting. That's right. Solomon would go with his wives and do exactly what God said not to do. Yeah. And yet, he's the wisest man that's ever lived. And he had God actually show up and tell him this, and he still messed it up. What's the hope for us, James? If the wisest man had God appeared to him, messed it up, there's no hope for us. But there is hope for us. Because all the wisdom in the world does not change, does not take the place of guarding your heart. You see, David didn't have all the wisdom and didn't have all the money. But David was had a pure heart to the day of his death. And David made mistakes. But you notice what David did in Psalm 51. As soon as he made an error, he quickly repented. Yeah. You see, the heart was quick to humble and repent because he loved, he truly loved God. This was his thing. He kept his heart and he was quick to repent. He wasn't perfect, but when he made a mistake, he was quick to admit it. He didn't make excuses. He was quick to admit it. Now, when Solomon made a mistake, he didn't repent. Now, do you know the most shocking thing is that there's not one scripture in your Bible anywhere that says that Solomon died in a repentant state. Theologians have argued this point for years. They don't, They don't know if Solomon actually repented before he died. He was in gross idolatry. Filthy. The wisest man and the richest man worshiping other gods when Jehovah showed up. Taylor, can you think, I mean, it's okay. We we understand that his son and his grandson and all these different kings served the Lord, the evil. You know, you read it, and this one didn't serve God and did all the things of Ahab and the evil was in there. But you don't expect that from Solomon because Solomon was wise and Solomon saw the glory and Solomon had God appeared to him. We haven't seen the glory, but we're going to. We haven't seen God. We might, I mean, we're going to see him one day. We don't have all the wisdom in the world, but I'm telling you, we guard our hearts And that's what pleases God. Not all the wisdom you have, not all the knowledge you have, not all the success you have, and not all the money you have. What God cares about is the heart. And this great man did not guard his heart. And he had all the wisdom, he had everything working for him except the right heart. And he lost it. And we don't we don't see him repenting. Now, you say, Did he repent? Well, let me, let me, let me read you the only verse that would indicate possibly that, that he may have repented. And that is in the book. I'll read it to you. You don't have to look it up, but that is in the book of first 1 Kings 1141. And it says in the rest of the acts of Solomon and all that he did and all his wisdom, are they not written in the books of the acts of Solomon? His, his, his end legacy, Lorraine simply said, everything he did has been recorded. Now, Theolog it doesn't say he repented. There's no word that says he repented, but theologians believe that he must have repented because for the author to not, if he hadn't repented and he had ended a retrobate, an apostate, a sinful man without God's forgiveness, if he ended his life like that, it would have most likely recorded that. It doesn't record it. It just says that all the works that he did has been recorded. And another reason why theologians believe, and I believe too, that he repented is because Jesus said in Matthew 12, 42, the queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came forth from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She's talking about the queen of Sheba. And uh, behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Jesus refer to himself as greater than Solomon. And he did it, if you take the context of this, he did it as a correction to the Pharisees. If Solomon had have died in sin and not repented, the Pharisees would have taken that rebuttal and turned it right back on him and said, you're comparing yourself to an apostate? But they didn't. So the chance are that he did repent because jesus compares himself with him says he's greater but compares himself and the third reason biblically why we believe he repented even though it doesn't say it but why we believe is because there was parts of the temple named after solomon namely solomon's porch the bible says that jesus walked in solomon's porch that people were healed in solomon's porch there's no way religious pharisees would allow a part of the temple to continue being named after an apostate So the Jews do, even though it's not scriptural, you can't prove it, but they do believe that he repented at the end of his life. But Lorraine, what a testimony that you're the richest man, the wisest man, but you, God even shows up and tells you exactly what not to do. And you do exactly what God told you not to do. And you lose your testimony and, and, and you, he lost so much by that disobedience. Yet he was the smartest man and the richest man. See, a lot of people are going after wisdom. I want to be smart, I want to be educated, I want to have all the, and they're going after things, money and wealth, and Solomon had all of it, yeah, but what, that all the wisdom and all the money in the world does it not replace guarding your heart, because the one thing that he had at the beginning was guarding his heart. Remember, God said, Integri- you have integrity of heart, so I'm going to give you, but what he lost, he didn't lose the wisdom, he didn't lose the money, he lost the heart. Listen, uh, people won't get offended and leave the local church if they guard their heart, People won't backside and walk away from jesus if they guard their heart People will have an intimate relationship with jesus if they guard prayer will be a joy to you If you guard your heart you want to beat the odds You want 20 years 30 years from now You look back and all the other people have passed by and they've gone away from god, but you're standing strong You know how you do that every day Every single day you guard your heart my wife put it this way. She said, Craig, what you've done over the years, and she's exactly right. She said, you, now listen, this will help you. She said, you didn't wait, because now we've got this big lawn and all these weeds, and it's a real nightmare. She said, you didn't wait until the thing looks like what it looks now. Because when you've got all those weeds, it's very hard to pull them all up and control them. But if you see one weed, Taylor, yeah. and you go and you say, no, you don't, yeah." yeah. yeah. And every day you look over that lawn and you see one nasty thing sprouting. You go over there. No, you don't. And you pull it out. If you consistently, regularly be a weed puller, you will never have a lawn overrun with weeds. Now, in your heart, it's the same thing. Offense is a weed. Sin, perversion is a weed. Anger is lying is a weed. Exaggeration is a weed. Sexual appetites that do not please God is a weed. Do you understand? And I don't know who it's for, but there's a man in this room that you are in pornography and you have been in it and I speak by the Spirit of God because I just heard the Holy Ghost speak to me. And he said, tell him, I know what he's doing and I've seen him do it for a long time, but I love him and there is much help available, but I need him to start pulling that weed starting tonight. How do you pull the weed with your words? Start to say, Father, I decree that this thing has no power. The Bible says sin shall not have any dominion over you. Start to say, pornography has no dominion over me. Start to say, Father, I thank you that I'm free from pornography. Remember the guy that was smoking with Keith Moore? Every time he took the drag, thank God I'm free from smoking. Thank God I'm free from smoking. He did it for a couple weeks, and then he took a drag, and God in a miracle changed his appetite, and he and he almost wanted to vomit because that smoke made him feel sick. But he was smoking a pack or two a day. But every day he said, even he didn't believe it at the beginning, but he just said it because he wanted to honor his pastor. Thank God I'm free from smoking, thank God, until finally it went from his mouth to his heart, and the power of God struck him and he was instantly free. No no withdrawals, no nicotine patches, nothing. He never touched it again. You can be the same with pornography. You can say, thank God I'm free from it, Father. I declare sin has no dominion over me. I claim Ephesians chapter, Philippians chapter 2, that says that you are working in me to will and to do of what pleases you. You are giving me the will to decide and the power to do what pleases you. Lord, I declare that I'm free. I'm declaring that I'm free. If you'll do that, what do you do? You're pulling a weed with your words. Then when the temptation comes, you say, no. You you have a power to say no. And if there's a demon driving you because you've done it so long, you've opened the door, you say, I I speak to you, you foul, unclean spirit. And I bind your power, let me go in Jesus' name. I'm free. I said I'm free. And then shut down that laptop or burn that magazine or do whatever you have to do in that moment so that you don't yield to that temptation. I don't know who that's for, but there's a man in here that you've been doing it for a while, and God's been watching you. I'm telling you, you're in a season of mercy, but I wouldn't push your luck, sir, if I were you. If I were you, I'd start pulling weeds. If you let those weeds grow, Kim, your whole lawn will be, the people, I see people's lives. Everything's gone wrong. Their money's gone wrong. Their health's gone wrong. Their marriage has gone wrong. Their mind has gone wrong. Everything is wrong. What have they done? They never pulled the weed ever. They're sitting eating Cheetos all day long spiritually. They come into church and doing their religious little hand-waving thing, but they, they don't daily, they don't daily guard their heart because God is showing them this is wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong, and they just, they don't do nothing. They just don't need do anything. Oh, well, whatever, Lord, you know, I'm pride or laziness or whatever, and the weeds just keep multiplying, and now to try to get that, to get that field of weeds out In marriage counseling for 29 years, I've seen this. They come and there's got, there's more problems than I can write down on my pad. There's more red flags that I can even count. Why? Because they've had a lifetime of not pulling weeds. And now that the whole thing is overgrown into a weed forest and they're about to get divorced, the husband will, the wife will drag the husband in and say, now you're going to listen to him or I'm going to leave you. And I can tell I ain't not picking no weeds. And I look at the lady and I say, leave him. Because he's not willing to even pick up one weed, let alone 2,000. If a man's heart can humble himself to take one weed and take another weed and take another weed and repent for this and treat right and that and talk right here and be willing with a heart, we can clear that field and restore that marriage. But when they've not done it for 20 years and then they come and they expect a quick fix, they expect me to lay hands on them and all of a sudden, poof, all the weeds have disappeared. That's not how it works. You've got to pull those weeds yourself. I can't pull them for you. you. Young people, you better listen to me because you keep watching certain things on the internet. I don't mean pornography or nothing overtly, but you just keep yielding to flesh, yielding to flesh, watching things you shouldn't watch, reading things, talking to having friends that are influence. You keep doing that. You're letting weeds sprout. You're gonna start pulling those weeds. We are daily weed pickers. If you are a puller of a weed every day, you will keep your see every time something's not working right, God will speak to your heart and he'll say, Deal with that. Now if you yield to him, you've picked up that weed. You've kept the soil of your heart clean but if you don't listen to him and you ignore his his what you what he's told you and you ignore that counsel what you've done is you have not guarded the soil of your heart and now the weed is starting to spread and now before you know it, the heart soil is filled with weeds and that's when they just they get overwhelmed and then they just quit on God they quit on church they quit on everything and they backside and let's hope that they make it to heaven <laughs> but I'm just saying you don't have to do that whenever God touches your heart and he says deal with this the, the true hearted person says yes Lord and they pull that out and they look at their heart and they may not be perfect like David, but they're quick to repent, and they've got a soft heart, and the heart soil is clean, and then a couple weeks go by, and they do something, Jenny, that they shouldn't do, and God highlights it by the Holy Ghost, and says, I'm not pleased with that. I'm so sorry, Lord. I love you so much. I pulled that out of my heart real quick. I take it from the root. I pull it out, and they, Lord, is everything okay with my heart? Yes, everything's okay, son. You see, because we're always going to have a something come up. We're always going to have a temptation. We're always going to have this. You're always going to have a weed once in a while, but it just keep pulling it. Just keep pulling it. You'll get to the place. It's possible where, like, Dad, Hagen said, I haven't sinned in years. Where he had pulled those weeds so dramatically for so long, he had so pushed, there was no remnant of seed of weeds in the ground, and he could go years at a time without committing a single sin because he has become a master heart guarder, a master weed puller. And some people don't pull weeds at all. If God were to look at your heart in the term of a weed field, what would He see tonight? Would he see a heart that has nice, dark, rich soil, ready for the incorruptible seed of the word? Or would he see a forest? Or most of us, he'll see partly good soil and partly some unpulled weeds because God's been dealing with you. Don't do that. Please don't do that, son. Please don't do that, dog. No, no, don't don't talk about that person like that. Every time you get grieved, every time the Holy Spirit corrects you, he's telling you that's a weed. Now, you need to learn to immediately repent and pull that weed out and say, Father, to the best of my knowledge and ability, I will not do that again. Help me. And you might mess it up a few more times, but pull it out again. And eventually you'll get victory over that weed. And then there'll be another area of your personality or of your makeup or of your, you know what I mean? We've all got areas. Some of you, you're real quick on that drive. Somebody cuts you off and you're cussing them and screaming at them and going on their bumper. That's not right. That's not the fruit of patience. That's anger. No, you laugh at me, but I'm saying a lot of people do this. They get mad when somebody, I'm like it. You can ask my wife. Don't try to butt in me line because I, I get upset with you. I've been waiting here a long time. Don't you, don't you think you can do it? And I'll just go right in and talk to them on shoulder. Excuse me, uh, you're not coming in here. Go back to where you belong. Jenny's like honey. You just leave me, Jennifer. I'm trying to be a good leader. Leave me. I always got a good good excuse why she shouldn't tell me what. But I. But I. You know what I'm saying, Jenny? And sometimes you do need to leave me alone. It's true. Sometimes I am just trying to be a good leader. But then I hear the Holy Ghost. Oh, I know that voice. I know that feeling so well. I'm so mad. I don't want her to talk to me. I just want her to let me be the man. Because I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to. Don't let. I don't want to push people pushing me around. I'm trying to be. But I hear the Holy Spirit say, Son. And I know, I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Hear him say, son, uh, that's not right. Yeah, he's sweet. And i said, not every time, but sometimes. Mm. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. You see, what, what, I could respond like, what? What are you talking about? I'm right. I don't care what you say, I'm not doing that. I kept that weed in. Yeah. That's gonna grow. It's gonna grow. But I instantly, he's right. He's always right. Lord, sometimes it's really hard to admit but I will humble myself and I admit that I'm wrong. Please forgive me. See this guy right here, Taylor. Taylor right there. Taylor did something that he shouldn't have done a little while ago. He knew it, God knew it, the angels knew it, the devil knew it and I knew it. And I got on him about it. But I got on him a little bit too on him. You know what too on him means? Yeah. hmm And I was driving home and I felt that thing and I just said, I'm just going to worship the Lord. (laughs) I just sang as loud as I could, because the louder I sang, I figured I could drown it out. (laughs) But after I I sang myself raw, raw, what do you say? Raw. Raw, I sang myself raw, no song left in me, and I thought, for sure, he's forgotten about it now. I'm sure he's working on somebody else. He's got a long list of people that have messed up today. I'm only one of them. But as soon as that music went down, it was just waiting for me. And I know, I know that feeling. I know when he corrects me, and I know when he said, now son, I, I know that he didn't do right, and I know that you're frustrated, and I know that he's there to help you, but, but you, don't have, you didn't have to do it that way. You, you, you need to repent for that. And I said, on condition that I don't have to say anything to him. <laughs> and sometimes he'll let me away with that, and other times he'll say, no, you send him a text. I said, Brother Taylor, I love you, and, and once I sent him a text, and I said, Brother Taylor, I love you, and I pressed send, and the Lord said, that's not saying you're sorry. I said, yes, it is. <laughs> I said, Brother Taylor, I appreciate you. I sent him a text, but I had to say, Brother Taylor, I'm sorry. You see, because every person, doesn't matter what role you have in life, whether you're the boss or not the boss, you can always have areas for improvement. And the Holy Ghost won't let you away. with. But listen to me, I'm going to help you. If every time he shows you a weed, you tell him to shut up by your actions. Eventually he'll stop showing you the weed. Do you know what that means? Your conscience is seared and the Holy Ghost is so grieved with you. He's trying, but he'll just stop talking to you and that's the dangerous place where now he's not even showing you because he knows you will reject his counsel and that is when you're in a serious problem because now you don't will he'll, he'll help you. If you'll say, Father, what have I done wrong? Holy Spirit, show me. He'll show you because he's faithful. But, but many times he won't even come initiate to you because you've so rejected him so many times. He, he gets grieved with you and he'll leave you alone. And that, you don't want to be in a place where the Holy Ghost is leaving you alone. You want the Holy Ghost to be bothering you. You want him to be rebuking you. You want him because without him doing that, it shows you're in a dangerous place. So please, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and show, not speaks to that's the wrong way. When he shows you, when you get that conviction, when you get that, you know, you, you just know it. Please yield to that. Yeah. Pull it out right away. Humble yourself. Say yourself, it's better to humble yourself and swallow your pride and please him than it is to keep your pride amongst people but hurt him. Keep your field clear of weeds. You do that every day, every day, guarding your heart every day, pulling weeds every day, keeping your heart turned toward him every day. It's all part of it keeping your heart turned to and includes quick repentance includes humility includes guarding your heart includes pulling you. you do that every day you will maintain a soft heart and that is the greatest asset you have not your anointing not your money not your mind not your brilliance not your phds the great solomon beat all of us he was smarter and richer than all of us and yet he lost it all because he didn't guard his heart do you understand can i close are you sure you're okay Please guard your heart, please guard your heart. Taylor, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for all the times I was mean to you. (laughs) No, I am, I'm, I'm sorry. I haven't done anything today, have I? I don't think so. Probably did something yesterday, so I'm sorry for whatever that was. And I'll just keep pulling my weeds, Taylor. You're not a weed, but I'm gonna pull out, I'm not, you're not a weed. But I got weeds that I have to get out, and some of it is pride, and some of it is being too hard on people. Do you understand? Even I was going to James, I was going to the, the Tim Hortons. And the lady, she don't even pay attention. She's not even listening. I said it four times. And I'm saying it nicely. And I, what? And I, and I repeat it, what? And I said, ma'am, is there a problem with the microphone? Jenny wasn't with me. She would have been so disappointed in me. But I said it nice. And she was like, what? I don't know what I, finally I gave up and I drove to the window. And I looked at her and I said, Would you like me to give you my order now? And she's like, well, and she kind of got annoyed with me. And oh man, don't, don't you do that to me. And I said, you better listen to me here, woman. I said, I've been standing back there trying to talk perfectly good English in your ear and you don't listen. I said, you got a problem with listening and you're a customer service representative. I said, are you ready for my order? (laughs) She took my order and she gave me the order. And then I didn't know if I should drink it because I didn't know what she put in it before she gave it to me. But she was wrong. I was not wrong. I'm telling you, she should not be at the window. They're gonna go out of business. It made me, and then she gives me attitude. Like she is totally in the wrong. And I felt that small little thing. I said, no, you don't, Lord. I said, no, you don't. No, you did it. You know you know. No, you didn't. Lord, you saw it, you saw it she doesn't know what she's doing i was nice three times but after she gives me an attitude i had to let her have it i really couldn't believe i was right and the holy spirit spoke to me and he said son she did not do a good job but you did not have to raise your voice i said "But Lord!" <laughs> he said that's not the fruit of gentleness And you know, for about three months, and it's still on me about it, Taylor, don't even look at me like that. But for three months, the only fruit of the spirit that God's been dealing with me about is gentleness. It's like he just looked at me like I'll deal with love later. You will get the joy later. I don't know about goodness. We'll just deal with that later. Boy, what you need is an overhaul of gentleness. Gentleness. And that was during the time he'd been dealing with me. And I said, but Lord, she, she provoked me. He said, "I know she did, son, but a gentle response would have pleased me." I said, "But Lord, nobody could respond gently." He said, "I could, and I'm in you." So I'm trying to go it in my mind, like, yeah, yeah, and I can feel the. Blood. And I'm trying to go through my mind. Well, how could I've handled that better? I pull up to the window and I turn to her and say, "Hope you're having a great day, ma'am. Would you mind if I repeat my order? Obviously, you're very busy." Well, God, would bless you? Thank you. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much. I said, Lord, that's impossible. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I just can't. My brain's not wired that way. And Lord said, but, my, but the spirit inside you, the Holy Ghost inside you. Now, Taylor, you put on love and you put on. It's a coach. You put on praise. You put on joy. You need to actually put on on something called gentleness. Because you don't have it in your flesh, but the Holy Ghost can help you. You can actually put on the coat of gentleness where everything in you, but you yield to your spirit and you treat people right. And I see that's a weed, Taylor. I had to keep that weed out. Can I close by giving you some scripture? Because I can keep telling you story after story. Maybe I shouldn't because you'll lose respect for me as your pastor. You'll see how carnal I am sometimes. But listen, listen, I could tell you stories about doctor, which I won't. Pastor Nancy has told us stories about doctor losing it. And I'm so like, you have no idea the joy in my heart when she shares those stories. And I'm like, and she's laughing and I'm laughing, but inside I'm celebrating. I'm like, yes! Somebody screamed at the idiot and God didn't correct him. Yes! But of course, I know doctor and God was dealing with him. She's just telling us the funny thing of him freaking out. But I know doctor, he kept his heart so pure. God wouldn't have let him get away with that. Remember the McDonald's one? God wouldn't have let him get away with that. But boy, it does feel good to hear your spiritual father just wallop somebody. I mean, it makes you feel so good. Because you realize that they tempted the same way you are. He was such a mighty man of God, but he still had flesh to deal with he still had fears he still had loneliness he still had things that he had to get out of his heart just like i do we're all the same he can see mighty miracles but we're the same human beings out of the anointing we've got to keep our hearts yeah. let me read you as i close Nine seventeen. my god well it's okay because you know this is a sunday morning didn't you know that uh, no no that's okay we'll be done soon now let me read you this keep thy heart Proverbs four twenty three. Now, you should turn to that verse this is an important verse now, did you know that that Solomon wrote this before he sinned? <laughs> Solomon wrote this before he sinned. They say he wrote Ecclesiastes after he sinned, but Solomon wrote this. Lorraine, if he just meditated on his own words, he would have made it. He didn't meditate on his own writings. Proverbs four twenty three: Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Do you know what that word issues is in the Hebrew? It's a Hebrew word, totsetsa and it means boundary. The, bo- the geographic boundary of your future is determined by what comes out of your heart. It also means source, so it's a very interesting Hebrew word. It means everything in you comes out of your heart, but the same place it came out of also determines how far it goes. The boundary, the source and the boundary is your heart. If you guard your heart, your boundary will be deep and far and wide. God will let you experience much goodness. If you don't guard your heart, your boundaries will be very narrow and you'll be, God's blessing will be very limited on your life. It all comes back to how you guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? Keep it turned toward Jesus. Keep it soft, quick to repent and quick to pull weeds. That's how you guard your heart. All of you should read Psalm 51 once in a while. That was David's repentance prayer. You see a king's heart in Psalm 51. Now let me let me read the scripture to you from a few other translations. Put up one of them. It doesn't matter what order, Brother Peter. Just put. up, I want to show you from the Amplified. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Did you notice above everything you do? This is a this is a ultra this is an ultra, ultra statement. The, what Solomon is saying, it's more important than anything. But did you know he didn't even take his own advice? The most important thing you can do of guarding is your heart. Now, next, next one. Let's have a look at it from the Passion Translation. So above all, guard the affections of your heart. For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. For from there flows the wellspring of life. The affections of your heart. Watch it above everything. Why? This is, this is the most important thing you can do. Not money. Not anointing not education. Solomon had all of that, but what he didn't have was a right heart. Okay, next one. He started with one, but he didn't end with one. The Knox translation says, use all thy watchfulness to keep thy true heart, thy heart true. That is the fountain whence life springs. Watchfulness. Go to the next one. couple more. The Holman's Christian Study Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. And it really is. Go to the next one for me, please. And it says in the the Young's Literal Translation, Above every charge, keep thy heart, for out of it are the outgoings of life. Above everything I charge you to do, guard that heart. It's the most important thing you can do. Next one, is there another one or is that it? Guard your heart, the new living says, above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And really, we know it determines the boundary of your life. How far you're going to go is going to depend on your heart. You think, I just, you think ministers get there because of the call? God's got a lot of calls and a lot of people. They never make it because they didn't guard their heart. Do you think the anointing is the only thing that matters? God's got much greater anointings on other men than me, but they have not made it because they didn't guard their heart. God is not as important as the anointing. He's not as interested in the anointing on you or how ambitious you are or how much money you make or how smart you are. What he's interested in is daily living. Start your day with me and keep your face turned toward me all day long. Keep a soft, humble, tender, loving heart where you truly love him, and when he corrects you, you are grieved because you don't want to hurt him, and you pull out those weeds as fast as you can, and you keep that soil rich and pure and true for the Word of God. That pleases God more than anything, and that will give you longevity more than anything. I want to read you one more verse, and then we're going to close. Is that okay? But have a quick look with me now. I'm going to read it from from the Amplified Classic, please, and have a look with me if you don't mind. In the book of Mark, chapter 4. And I'm not going to really comment on it for sake of time, but I'm going to read it to you. Mark chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And a very great crowd gathered about him so that he got into a ship in order to sit in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was at the lakeside on the shore. And he taught them many things in parables, illustrations or comparisons put beside truths to explain them. That's what a parable is. And in this teaching, he said unto them, give attention to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell upon along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed of the same kind fell on the ground full of rocks where it had not much soil and at once it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. But when the sun came up, It was scorched because it had no, it had not taken root. And so it withered away. Other seed of the same kind fell along among thorn plants and the thistles grew and pressed together and utterly choked and suffocated it and it yielded no grain. And other seed of the same kind fell into good, well-adapted soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing. That's what our life's supposed to look like growing up and increasing. The path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. How are you going to get brighter and brighter? Your heart growing up and increasing, yielding up to 30 times as much, 60 times as much, and even 100 times as much as had been sown. And he said, he who has ears let to hear, let them be hearing, and let him consider and comprehend this thing. And as soon as he was alone, those who were around him, the 12 apostles began to ask him about the parables. Did you notice? Did you notice the 12 apostles? Who was one of the 12? Rotten Judas, the thief, the betrayer who's burning in hell today, he was asking about this parable. He was getting his answer. He was hearing his rescue. Guard your heart, Judas, but he didn't do it. Yeah. No. Even the one that walked with the Son of God didn't guard his heart. Yeah. So don't tell me, don't, yeah, God appeared to Solomon. He didn't listen. God, Jesus was there with Judas. He didn't listen. You can understand why so many people don't listen, but so many people do. Yes. Yeah. There were still 11 that did. Yes. Let's not focus on the one. And he said unto them, to you, It has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God that is the secret counsels of God which are hidden from the ungodly but for those outside of our circle everything becomes a parable in order that they may indeed look look and look but not see and perceive and that they may hear and not grasp and comprehend it goes on goes on now. Have a look at verse 13 and he said unto them do you not discern or understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern or understand all the parables? What was he saying? This parable, boys, is the single greatest parable I will ever teach you. And what's the subject matter? The heart. And what, is the, what did that verse say? Above everything in life, guard your heart. Why? It's the single most important thing for you to do. Jesus even said it himself. If you don't understand this, you can't understand anything because this is the most important. I hope you're listening. And he said unto them, now, now verse 14, the sower sows the word. One, the ones along the path are those that have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. Because they have a hard heart. It doesn't even get into them. Now the next one. And the same way the ones sown upon stony ground are those who when they hear the word at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. We've seen lots of people like that, Lorraine, haven't we? They come to church, Whoa, glory! I've never heard this message of faith, glory! They're excited. They have no real root in them. And so they endure for a little while, but watch now. But when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended. How many people have we seen leave offended? They can't handle it. Why? They were excited, Lorraine, but they couldn't. They had no root because their heart was full of stones. Offended people have stony hearts. If you're easily offended, you better get the rocks out. It will rob you of your harvest. (sighs) They've no root in themselves, so they endure for a little while. They they become offended. Let me read it again. Uh, they, They immediately are offended. They become displeased, indignant, Resentful and they stumble and fall away. Wow. That's stony grounded people. Now, the ones that are sown among thorns are those that hear the word. Then, now there's three categories here now the cares and anxieties and distractions of the world and of this age. Okay, that's one. Worries, fears, being afraid of things, and being distracted. Yeah. Number two, the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches. They think money is the, is the way to go. You need to have money, but they're serving, they're lustful, they're craving money. That'll kill it. So worry and distraction will kill it, and a, and a lust for money will kill it. And what's the third one? A craving and passionate desire for other things. You may have money in check, Victoria. You may have, uh, what, what was the first thing? You may have fear and worry and distraction in check. And you may have money in check, but if there's a, just an overwhelming passionate desire for stuff outside of God's word, you'll still destroy yourself. Are you with me? And these other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. Now this is us. I've said by faith, this is the potential for every believer. And those sown on good, well-adapted soil are the ones who hear the word and receive and accept it and welcome it. And bear fruit thirty times as much as was sown, sixty times as much, and some even a hundred times as much. Notice it said well adapted, those that hear the word, receive it, accept it, and welcome it. When the Word corrects you, you say, yes. The same way when the Word gives you victory, you say, yes. When the Word says, repent, you say, yes. When the Holy Ghost says, go and give that money, you say, yes. When the Holy Ghost says, receive this blessing, you say, yes. See, it doesn't matter whether it's inconvenient or convenient, whether it hurts a little bit or doesn't hurt. You are saying, I welcome it. I receive it. I want your correction. I need your correction. I want your encouragement. Lord, anything you say, I'll do. Anything you say, I want you. Lord, if you say there's a weed, I'll pull it out. See, that's the heart that stays with producing. You say, I want to increase. I want to break through. This is my Hebron year. It starts with your heart. If you don't guard your heart, you won't grow brighter and brighter. If you don't guard your heart, your year will be more pathetic than it was last year. You'll lose money. Your relationships won't be as far ahead. Nothing will work for you right if you don't guard your heart. Guard your heart with me, but number one, guard your heart with Jesus. Let Jesus know every day how much you love him let the Holy Ghost know every day you appreciate his corrections. That's the first thing, the chief shepherd. Yes. Then guard your heart with me so you don't get offended, you don't get separated. But what's more important than me is him. Because you don't see me every day, but you, see, you, you are with him every day. He, he wants you to come and let me feed you because I'm the under shepherd, but he's first. Guard your heart with him. Guard your heart with your boss. Guard your heart with your pastor. Guard your heart with your in-laws. Guard your heart with your children. People can hurt you very easily. Listen, guard your heart with the government. Right now, they are doing so many things that are in many ways hurting people as much as helping them. You know how many businesses? I don't know. I'm not saying it's not necessary or it necessary. I'll let you decide that. But I'm just saying there are so many businesses that have gone under. People have lost homes, lost everything, and you have to weigh some of that against I'm not I can't wait it's too hard to wait nobody's perfect they're doing the best they can but I'm saying if you've been hurt by their decisions if you've been affected negatively by their rules you've got to guard your heart even in that because if you get emotional angry and furious faith won't work for you you've got to forgive you've got to cast the care over on the Lord and say father I know they've done what they've done it's hurt me it's ruined certain things in my life but my eyes are on you you make it back to me. You, and you rescue me. I will not get offended with them. I will not speak against them. I will guard my heart. Yes, amen. And watch what God does for you. But you just keep railing on them and anger and I can't believe this. And, ah, the power of God can't get your answer, can't get your breakthrough to you because your heart's not right. Are you with me? I know this was a bit of a heavier message, but I believe it's needed. And I know the Holy Ghost said for me to do it. I have lots of subjects I can teach on, but I heard him on Monday say, next sermon, that's it. You tell those people, watch their hearts. It's this, it's, that's the only asset I have is my heart. You know, you know, Kim, you can put me in, and I say this humbly, you can put me in any country of the world. You can strip everything away from me. You can leave me with just me in my boxer shorts. You don't want to see me in my boxer shorts. But if that's all I had, and you took everything from me, every dollar, everything from me and put me in a jungle somewhere where nobody knows my name. You just give me some time and I'm going to rise to the top. Yeah. You put, you, they put Joseph in that dungeon and he rose and ran the dungeon. When you when you love God and when your heart is right with God and you know faith, yeah. you can, you can be anywhere and you'll succeed. Anywhere you'll succeed. You don't don't worry about governments and rules and this and that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Doug Ford says. I'm going to increase. He does not control my increase. He does not control this church's increase. No matter what law he says, and we'll yield to those laws. My increase is from God. He, He has no say in it. My health comes from God. My doctor has no say in it. Do you understand? When you really know God, it doesn't matter what happens in the world. You know you're going to rise. You know you're going to rise. You know you're going to rise. You know you're going you know to grow brighter. What a joy. What a privilege it is to live so carefree, so fear-free. Hearing people talk about this and that, and I'm just looking at them, I go, I would not want your tormented life. I am so free. I, have, I trust God. I know I won't get COVID. I know I'm not going to go under because God's with me. And you know why I can have that confidence? Because every day when he shows me a weed, I try my best to pull it out even with hard ones like him. I try my best to pull it out. Reverend Greg, I still haven't got victory in that one yet, because when he shows me wins about that, I'm still not quite ready to pull those out, but I'm going to pull them out, brother. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. Lord, we have to talk about some of these very important things, because daily living and keeping our hearts turned towards you and our faces turned towards you every day, keeping soft, tender lives, quick to repent and quick to be humble. This is the key to success in life. It's not the chasing of money or this or anything else. We can, you'll give us all of those things and you want us to be, to be productive and wealthy and prosperous. But Lord, what's most important is our relationship with you, which comes back to our heart. Do we truly love you, Jesus? Well, then we'll spend time with you. We'll keep our hearts turned towards you all day long. We'll talk to you throughout the day and worship you and love you and have an intimacy with you. Lord Jesus, when you correct us, we'll be quick to change. We'll keep that field, rich, dark soil, weed free. And when everybody else has fallen away and lots of people have left you, we'll stand there. We'll be strong. We'll be blessed. We'll be prosperous. We'll be healed. We'll have long life and we'll stand against all the odds and let all of them fall by the wayside. Father, we're gonna still be standing at the end of the day because we guarded our heart like David. Solomon didn't and he lost it all, but David did and he maintained it to the end. And that is why he's the greatest king that ever lived. Because not because he was perfect, he sinned quite a bit, but because he had such a heart after God. A man after my own heart you called him that is willing to do all that I ask him to do father I want that testimony for me. I want you to look at me and say Craig is a man after my own heart I want you to look at Taylor and say the same thing I want you to look at others and say the same thing I want our congregation to be promise of life our people after God's own heart That we are so pure in our heart. We are so in love with you. We are so quick to repent and so quick not to be proud, but to be humble. Oh, then, then we will stand the test of time. Then all the others may fall by the wayside, but we will keep growing brighter. Hallelujah. 30, 60, 100-fold increase in every area. I bless these people tonight, Father, and I thank you for them and for their attentive hearts tonight to your word Let them go home and look over their field to see if there's weeds. When you show it to them, let them be quick to pull it out. Tomorrow morning, let them spend some time with you and keep their heart towards you all day long. And I thank you for it. And I praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.